As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Welcome back to the show. I'm excited to have our guest today, Kimberly Gerber. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. Oh, thank you so much, Megan. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in. You have got so much experience. I know you and your team have over 36,000 hours of coaching, consulting, and training mid-size and large-size companies. So we have Mm -hmm. so much to learn from you. (laughs) I cannot wait to dive in. Awesome. Well, I'm happy to be here and share whatever I can. Great. So how about let's start with this. I would love to hear a little bit about your backstory. Mm -hmm. How did you, you know, how did you start your firm? Why did you go in that direction? Kind of fill in some of those gaps, give us the backstory. And then we're going to dive in and have an awesome, awesome conversation about um, a really hot topic that I've been seeing popping up a whole lot more in the entrepreneurial space. And that is executive presence. So Ah, that's great. I love that topic. So just a real brief backstory history of how I got to where I'm at today. Um, I, my undergraduate and graduate work is in public communication. I had always intended to, um, you know, run national advertising and PR campaigns. That was my, my goal as a, you know, kind of a young person starting out in my career. And while I was going through grad school, I ran a, well, first I started long story I won't get into, but first I started marketing for a home healthcare agency to kind of put myself through school, ended up running the firm that I was working for, and then ended up starting my own home healthcare agency back in the early 90s and grew that firm to over a million dollar business in just a couple of months and really, you know, had my first taste of entrepreneurialism at that time. And it wasn't, however, what I wanted to do. And so I I ended up in that process. I had a partner I had two partners actually, and I ended up getting recruited to work for a Fortune 500 company running advertising and PR, and that was my dream. And so I, I left my business, went and and joined the kind of the corporate world, and I spent ten years there in two Fortune 500 companies, and I had learned a massive amount about marketing and branding, and um, you know had some incredible experiences. The first one that I was hired into had a very small marketing department for a very large organization. So again, these are Fortune 500 companies. And I was one of just a very small handful of female leaders in the company. And it was a very flat organization. So I was often working right next to you know, the CEO, the CFO, the CFO, I'll never forget. The CFO brought me into his office one time and taught me how to read it, you know, manage a PL and and you know read a balance sheet and why those things were important in business. And that that those are just kind of experiences that you don't get a lot. And okay. and so the 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 experiences that I was able to have really helped propel my career very, very quickly. The first five years I worked in corporate were like 15 years for a lot of people, just in terms of the sheer experiences that I was tasked to lead. And so in that process, um, made a lot of, of 
observations about myself, ran into myself here and there, just being young and naive and quite frankly, insecure. And I, I began to really learn that in order to navigate successfully in the world, you had to pay attention to more than yourself and more than what you wanted. And, um, and I started to a process branding myself. So something that I'll, I'll, I'll talk about when we get into executive presence and while I'm planning this seat here is that as early as my mid twenties, I was already trying to figure out what my personal brand was, what assets did I have that I wanted to bring to the table and, and really what kind of leader, what kind of person did I want to be? It was a really transformative and I think trajectory setting, um, time for me. I went, I uh, was recruited to work for Starbucks coffee in its heyday and had spent five years there in marketing. Um, and, and what I really had begun to pay attention to myself first, but then really began to understand like what makes leaders good versus great and, and how important marketing yourself is not just in, you know, selling an idea or a product or a service, but really getting people to support you in the everyday things. And, and what became really obvious to me was that leaders who understood how to, how to communicate at a, the highest level, who really cared about the impact that they have on others, those were the people that created loyal fan bases and became the very best leaders. Yeah. And it's surprising, like they weren't always the brightest and they weren't always the best uh, they weren't always the most brilliant. They weren't always the most talented. But if you, you know, it was easy to see how what they were doing aligned perfectly with what we marketers do in order to captivate an external audience, to get the consumer to really buy into something and believe it and become a raving fan. And so in my practice, I, I had applied some of that to myself early on. I continued to build on that and um, and I started to teach it to my to the people that work for me. And at one point in time, I had a team of 36 people and, and really loved doing this work. And I love seeing the personal transformation. So mm -hmm. probably making this story longer than you wanted. <laughs> but ultimately, it led to, uh, I took a COO job during the dot-com era. And, um, and that allowed me to launch uh, into a career, you know, into forming my own company, Accelerate, which is 20 years this year. And and instead of going into marketing, I really wanted to pivot and, and work with leaders in personal development, teaching many of the same principles that I used to be a successful marketer. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. We have uh, very different stories, but also similar when you were talking about leaving the business and then working for the company and sitting directly beside the CEO. Mm -hmm. I did something really similar. I had a coaching business in the early 2010s, left my business worked for my mentor who had a multi-million dollar coaching company. Awesome. And sometimes a team had 15 people and sometimes sometimes a team was her and me and an executive assistant. And when the team is team is lean, you really yeah. do learn all of the different I was in every department. And I remember there was a I was there for four years. And there was a span of about four or five months. And for whatever reason, I think that I think the executive assistant left the company. And so that position was empty. And the uh, owner and the executive assistant spent a lot of time together. And so there was a void there. And I ended up ah. sitting beside the CEO mm -hmm. every single day for about five months. And that was some of the best training I Absolutely. ever received. I mean, when you're working behind the scenes for a company like that, and you're getting to sort of, your hands are in every department in some way, 
to me, that was the most phenomenal experience and mentorship of somebody like really taking you under your wing. And you just have a completely different perspective of team and running a business and communication. So very, we have similar, but different. Yeah, absolutely. And that you really cannot replace hands-on experience in many things. And I, I, I actually think a little bit of a soapbox here, but I, I think that a lot of folks today want to skip the early steps. They want to skip the hard step and go right into leadership and management and, you know, strategy and, and all of those things. And for me, I could never have been the strategist or the leader that I became if I hadn't had some of those experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, you were talking about communication. I'll tell a quick story and then we'll yes. get into some executive presence. Last week, we were running a retreat in North Carolina, and it just so happens that we know the founder and the owner of one of the fastest growing franchises in the country. And one of the absolute, it's like number one or two fastest growing franchise in the fitness industry. Okay. And the name of the company is Burn Bootcamp. And so we called up the, the owner and we said, hey, we have some clients in town. It would be so cool if we could just have a sit down with you, kind of surprise them. And chat for an hour, an hour and a half, like literally whatever you have time for. And he's got a hundred, his company's valued at 150 million right now. Um, and it's a franchise. who so has got 4,500 different people underneath him. And what you're talking about, and now that I'm just connecting the dots of that conversation, what he has and what he really built in himself was what I would label as executive presence. And mm-hmm. he even used the word communication so, so often with us. And he was talking yeah. about how his ability to build relationships mm-hmm. and communicate the vision so that his franchise partners, his executive team, the trainers at all the locations, that they are all literally like behind this huge vision that he has to build a $2.6 million company. And yep. all those stakeholders know about that too. But it's so interesting when I'm listening to you share, and I think about that conversation I have with him, and he's done this in 10 years too. I mean, mm-hmm. he's 34 years old. It's amazing. I, I believe he has what we would call executive presence. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. Um, so let's dive into that conversation. Yep. For anybody who may not know what executive presence is, maybe they didn't have a corporate background. What is executive presence exactly? <laughs> so it's interesting that you start there with looking for the definition. And it's really one of those things where you can't describe it, but you know it when you see it. Ah. So executive presence is what I consider a combination of factors that a person has. And individually, they're all great, but together they create executive presence. And so when someone has executive presence, they're like the it guy or the it girl. They're the it person. And they have confidence. They have poise and it's poise in presence, right? So physical poise, they have a a certain bearing that they bring into any room, uh, that they are sitting at the table with a certain amount of poise at all times. And, and they could be, you know, having fun and laughing and joking, but there's still a poise about them. And that's a very important component of executive presence. So they have confidence, they have poise, they have an air of authority. So someone who has executive presence doesn't need to be the leader in the room. However, they are the person that people look to to approve. They look mm-hmm. for approval from that person. So they may be a thought leader. They may be a social leader. They are people who have 
authority in their, again, in their presence, in the way they talk, in the way they communicate with others. And, and it is something that some people have a little bit more naturally than others. However, it is something that can be cultivated. And that is a really good thing for folks, especially entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs should at 100% make developing, cultivating their own brand of executive presence a priority. And here's the other thing, and I would say about executive presence, is that it's individual to the person. Mm. So that what when someone walks into the room and they have executive presence, it, it's about their inner confidence. It's about their perception of the authority they have in the room and, and how they esteem themselves on par with other people in the room or, you know, not in a way that they're subordinate to other people in the room. And so how it looks and feels, and this is why it's hard to define, is going to be different. Your version and how you show up with your most powerful executive presence is going to be in part based on your style and your personality. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be the same for me. The way I show up, it has to be authentic and congruent with my style and my personality. And so from person to person, it looks and feels a little different. However, when you stand back, the things that you'll say about someone with great executive presence is that they are confident, that they have great physical bearing, they are in control, they are intentional with their body language, with their facial expressions, and that they're people of authority. Again, they don't have to be the leader. It's, it's more of the influential authority to make decisions and to make things happen. And I think that a person with executive presence really always has a positive impact on the room mm -hmm. because when, because people trust them because they engender faith and security and the ability to accomplish. And so I think that when we're thinking about, you know, being entrepreneurs, if we're people with, with gravitas and great personality and we're authentic, but we really, people say, wow, that person's got executive presence that they, we know that they believe they can trust us. Mm. And so we teach, uh, we have, we, we teach folks a lot, like some of the physical techniques of executive presence, but most important, we work a lot with people on building the inner confidence that is the plumb line of executive presence. Mm. It is very difficult to fake executive presence. If you are not confident, it's difficult. You might get it for a minute or for a meeting, but you want to be a person that has executive presence all the time. So is it possible for every person to have executive presence and develop executive presence? It doesn't sound like it's something that you're born with, although maybe some people it comes a little bit more naturally. Yeah. Can everybody develop it? I believe that with intention, everybody can develop it. I don't think that it is. I think that, that, that with all things, there's a continuum of how easy it would be for someone to develop it. I do feel like, again, because it can be personal, it's very personal. It's got to be authentic and congruent. So there are some folks by style who will have some of the elements of, you know, poise. There's there's folks, probably about 13 to 15% of the population who from day one had a certain bearing. They've got a mm. poise. They don't even know it. It's in their talent basket and they're just poised. Now they may have other elements uh, that you where 
a person of executive presence knows how to connect with people. So sometimes people who have natural poise as their as a talent can be a little aloof, too much stability, and so there's that that barrier that gets created. Um, there's other other elements that are in the talent basket that help people really have good executive presence um, around, you know, being able to develop rapport with anyone that they meet. You know, those that doesn't always pair with poise, but sometimes it does. You know, there's a lucky small number of people who they're going to have executive presence no matter what. However, most of the rest of us, if we if we can do a, a self audit and say, you know, along these the the you know the continuum and along the the different variables, if we can pick the one where we're weakest and just practice a little bit at that, our level of executive presence will go up. Getting feedback from other people is important. And, and I am a believer in that you fake it while you make it. Mm. So because presence is somewhat physical, we have our, you know, we have our billboard, uh, you know, again, going back to my marketing roots, what we show on the, on the outside is our billboard. So how we look, how we dress, the consistency of that, how we hold our facial expressions, all of those things we can have a great intention around. And that will help us move into that, you know, more powerful executive presence. Mm -hmm. So being consistent, being intentional, being authentic, you know, doing some personal branding work, figuring out what that is for yourself. I think those are really great steps. Mm -hmm. And looking at things like posture, which quite frankly, you know, sometimes on the pot calling the kettle black, I spend so much time behind a computer that, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, where's my posture these days, <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. really working on those things from a physical perspective, because it matters. If yeah. you have good posture, people are, are going to assess you, ah, confident, a poor posture says less confidence. These are, these are subliminal messages we don't try to have. These are just things that come into people's mind. So a you know, a healthy appearance, a put together appearance, a controlled, contained, purposeful. Those are all things mm. on the ex from the exterior that signal executive presence. And we can we can use those techniques to start us building up a really strong, true executive presence because we can do the outside, which can be a little bit easier while we're working on that inside, that true inner self-confidence. Mm -hmm. So what it sounds like to me is that, you know, something for all of us to think about is the, our perceived value. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing you say is that when we work on our executive presence, that's also going to have an impact on not only how we see ourselves, because I mm -hmm. think, you know, like you were saying earlier, it is very easy to just focus on us. What am I thinking about? How am I feeling? I know the value that I bring, yada, yada, yada. But there's a different kind of value and there's that perceived value and how people see you. And mm -hmm. you could be the smartest person on the planet and you could mm -hmm. deliver the most incredible product or service or offer. But it sounds like the executive presence plays a really significant role in how you are being perceived and, and the way people are um, before they even work with you. I mean, it sounds like it's so important for someone to even decide to say yes to work with you or to hire you yep. or for you to move up in the ranks uh, as a leader at a company. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think so. I think it helps a lot because when you have executive presence, especially if you're intentional about it, there are some things you're not doing. You're not trying too hard. 
You're not underselling yourself. You are not living in a, in a moment of scarcity because you really, again, it's the confidence in the offering and the value. I think too, it's important to know that, that, you know, as you're building that confidence and you're getting clear about, you know, your brand and your value, that you say no to the right things. Mm. Because I think that that particularly for entrepreneurs is, can be a real sticky wicket. We as entrepreneurs sometimes want to say yes to everything so that we can decide what we later might want to say no to. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that having that presence, you, your mind and your body are, they're linked. And so there's a certain energy presence within as well as without. And so when you're in executive presence, when you really have it, you're, you're feeling self purposeful, not arrogant, not self, not, you know, not selfish, right? Not, Mm -hmm. not full of self, but very purposeful about why you are somewhere and what your impact on that room is and is meant to be, then you will be much more likely to attract the things that should come your way and be confident to say no to the things that aren't for you. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it is, it ends up being both, you know, something that magnetizes, but also something that allows you to hold a boundary where a boundary should be held. Yeah. So a lot of our listeners are small business owners mm-hmm. building teams, mm-hmm. and a lot of them have smaller teams, maybe three, five, seven, 10 people on their team. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure you hear this as well. One of the things that I have heard over the last 10 years of, of building businesses is that People get so frustrated, entrepreneurs get so frustrated with their team members mm-hmm. and how their team members are performing on the job, how they're presenting mm-hmm. themselves. And now that we're having this conversation, I imagine that many of the team members could actually be fantastic leaders. They just need to be groomed. They need to be worked with to build their executive presence. So yep. if we're going to speak to the entrepreneur, the CEO who's developing a team and building leaders. Mm-hmm. How do you identify if you have someone on your team to really develop and groom and spend time with? I guess that's my first question. And then my second question is, if you're someone who is not an expert in this topic of executive presence and you don't know how to teach it or you don't know how to develop it in your own team, how do you build that in a team member? Mm -hmm. Great questions. So I want to go to the first one which is how do you recognize whether someone on your team has the potential for leadership mm-hmm. or not? And I think that, you know, there's some easy pieces of this and then there's some more challenging pieces of this. One of the challenges of being an entrepreneur and working with a small team is that, that people have to wear many hats and that that's a, a bit of a conundrum for the, the, the head of the organization who may only have the, you know, the, uh, the resources to hire a certain amount of people. And so people come in and they're maybe at a manager level or a director level, and they're expect, they're expected to do, you know, a ton, they have to wear like five or six hats. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes difficult to see if that person has more potential. A lot of times there's a lot of churn in entrepreneurial businesses because, People can't successfully wear all the hats. So when deciding if someone has leadership potential, it first it, it's you got to be clear about leadership in what? Leadership as a as a person who can 
come up with new ideas, innovate, be an activator, uh, leadership and execution, Mm -hmm. leadership in some other area, people leadership, maybe there's lots of different types of leadership. So we tend to want people to be able to do all of that. And, and that is nobody is really truly going to be successful if the, if what we want is for them to be able to do everything. And I've learned, had to learn this the hard way as an entrepreneur, as well as I see it day in and day out working with executives. And so one of the things that, that we really advocate for is making sure that people are aligned, their talents are aligned to the jobs you want them to do. Mm-hmm. And when there's that talent alignment, that is when you will really be able to see if they've got headroom, if they can grow, if they can stretch. And so sometimes people have great stretch in their technical areas and they can become a leader of execution or they can become a thought leader, an idea leader, or an activator. Sometimes people have a lot of um, natural aptitude for people leadership mm-hmm. and they can be generalists. They may not be the best in solving a problem, but they're maybe the best in leading people. And so as an entrepreneur, you want to pay attention to who you've got on your team and see where they best fit as you're growing your organization. The thing I would also say is, is that the, one of the way, best ways to, to figure out if someone's got what it takes to get to the next level is give them the opportunity and get out of their way. Allow them to make mistakes. Don't uh, yank back the responsibility because they didn't, they weren't successful on their first try or they didn't do it the way you would do it. And these are, these are common uh, catastrophic errors that mm-hmm. entrepreneurs make, right? They dive in and like, Oh no, that's not how I would have done it. Let me take that back. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I think that, that by being intentional, here's an assignment, let me know what you need. You go do it. And by the way, you are allowed to fail. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to do it differently than I would see how much tenacity the person has, see what their ambition is, see what creativity or innovation they bring to it. These are the things that you're going to, that are going to be able to tell you whether you've got a leader in the making or not. Do they yeah. have grit or do they give yeah. up? You know, those are things that, that, you know, are going to tell you, do you have a leader in the making or not? Mm-hmm. Well, what you're talking about is empowering people. Mm-hmm. versus being the control freak. And yes. we see that a lot in entrepreneurs. Yeah. A lot of us are control freaks. Yeah. You know, it's one of the reasons why we started our own business. And then you expect people to just know how to do a particular position or play a certain mm-hmm. role the way you would do it, even without training them on that. You yeah. know, um, what you're saying is so interesting. In my twenties, I was a high school teacher and even in oh. the classroom with students, especially when you get to the high school level, I would say middle school level as well, but I only have experience working with high schoolers. You know, the way that you're operating with, with adults, and I know not everybody listening has worked with children and not everybody was a teacher. It's actually really similar. You know, how do you get your best student in the class, the middle of the roots road student in the class and the lower level student in the class to perform at their greatest potential? Right. And what you just said about giving people permission to make mistakes and giving people permission to fail and letting them know that that is actually the right pathway to be on. When I was a teacher, that's how I would get the most out of my students. Mm-hmm. And we can apply the exact same thing to adults on our teams. You can apply the same thing to your yep. clients. Yep. Even your clients that you're working with, many of our clients are afraid to fail. They're afraid yep. to go try things. And what you're talking about, it's, I, find this, I find this so fascinating 
I think a lot, oftentimes we think that we're empowering someone, whether it's a client or someone on our team, but we're actually creating the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's going to cause the team member to not actually execute and operate at their greatest potential. And then we miss it. Yeah. 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 I think the other thing too, is when we get frustrated with people, especially if they're new on the team, they're not performing in a way, there's something that's not working. It's not clicking. A lot of times folks, it's, you know, it's, it's the immediate assessment, this bad hire, my bad, you know, this, this isn't working. Um, Gosh, you know, they said they could do this thing, but they really can't. And there's disappointment and that disappointment's we can feel it, right? The other person can feel it. And that creates tension. And usually that person's a short timer. Mm. What I have found, and this goes back to kind of tuning the dial a little bit with how that person's being held accountable to their work, how they're being coached and mentored. And sometimes it is tweaking the job itself, a little to the left, a little to the right, give you these responsibilities, take away these responsibilities. And a lot of times if, if a leader is willing to pay attention and just try new things, they'll find out that they actually have a gem mm. on their hands. They just needed to really understand what the talents are that that person has mm. and how to apply them to the work that needs to be done. Because most people, not all, of course, you know, not, not all, but most people they go to work wanting to do a good job mm-hmm. and to have to make an impact and they don't want to fail at the job. They don't ne- most people in my experience are not super lazy. You know, they're not afraid of hard work. And yet that is sometimes how it feels to a leader. And again, what we find all the time is just tweaking tweaking the job description, tweaking what's expected. Sometimes the leader, whether it's an entrepreneur or leader in in an organization has to modify their expectations or Mm -hmm. modify how they're making requests to set Mm -hmm. both people up for success. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it really is, you know, we now said it a couple of times, it really is about being a good observer of, of other people and Mm -hmm. what they need and aligning you know, aligning on those things. Mm. Because I think that way, you know, people can can be their most successful, they can work at their highest level. And as entrepreneurs, that is where you are going to get your best output from them. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So if, you know, any of the listeners are really interested in, okay, well, how do I implement this? What do I work on first? How do I increase my executive presence? What mm-hmm. might be two or three places for people to start and maybe even something that we can start practicing doing uh, yeah. on a daily basis and, and start developing this in ourselves. Yes. So the first thing I would recommend folks do if they want to build executive presence is to focus on self-confidence. There's a lot of resources that will, that will help with that. You know, self-audit. When am I confident? When am I not confident? What do I need to do? In what rooms am I confident? And so really begin a practice, a daily practice of of auditing and curating, cultivating the strongest self-confidence that you can. Because whether it's executive presence or something else, you cannot go wrong cultivating that on a daily daily Mm -hmm. basis. You can't. Two to five minutes a day for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. will amount to a tremendous result in your, in your result. It'll, it'll 
definitely have a huge impact in your life and, and what comes your way. So that's one thing I would do. Hands down, most important thing is develop that inner confidence. Hmm. And then the second thing I would do is, and these are just what I would say the easy, they're not easy, but the simple ones to do is do a billboard audit, posture, clothing, um, you know, hair and accessories. How are you showing up? Get input from people you really trust to give you the truth. See if that matches, you know, what your billboard is really saying and see if that matches what you intend for it to say. Mm -hmm. Ask people to tell you, am I consistent? What happens when I'm not consistent? And I think what a lot of people will find is that there is room for improvement in our, in their bearing. And so it doesn't have to be expensive to bring things into alignment and consistency. But sometimes it does take a commitment. You know, sometimes we have to work on that posture, which is just exercise. It's free, but it's, it's you know, Google some posture exercises. Um, sometimes it's, oh my gosh, wow, I am really not consistent. I am all over the place with my wardrobe. I got to figure that out because inconsistency will erode your perception mm -hmm. of, of executive presence, mm -hmm. which doesn't mean you have to wear a uniform. Yeah. You have to figure out what is authentic for you that that lets people know who you are and be consistent with that. Yeah, well the consistency is a trust builder. Yep. Yeah. Yes, because what could I depend on from this person? Yes, and people are looking for reliable, dependable, responsible people. Yes. And yeah. and it goes back to the same reason we buy the brands we buy. We hire the people we we hire because we trust that they're going to fill a void, meet a need, solve a problem dependably mm -hmm. and in a way that we, we know what that experience is going to be. Mm -hmm. So we all have a brand promise. We are making a brand promise when we are doing business with others, even if we don't realize what it is mm -hmm. or how we're doing it, the, that it is so important. So that, so inner confidence, outer poise. Yes. Those two things work, those two things together. And People, you'll feel different. You will yeah. absolutely feel more powerful. You will feel more of that executive gravitas. Yes. And as those two things are working together, what you'll notice, kind of your evidence of success to look for, is that when you walk into a room that you might previously have felt like, where do I fit here? Mm. It won't matter. You won't think that. You'll feel like everyone, you'll show up and people will be like, hey, glad you're here. You can help. There's a place mm -hmm. for you in this room. Mm. And, and people really start to feel just better and more connected in their everyday life. And that, that's when you know that that presence is really making a difference, that you're yeah. really showing up that way all the time. It'll, it'll happen you know, at home with your kids <laughs> mm -hmm. as well as with your friends. People will be like, oh, you know, kind of what's going on? You seem like you're doing really well. Yeah. You know, it makes me think that oftentimes when I think this happens to women a lot more than men, but sometimes when you walk in a particular room and you're scanning the room, you can feel a sense of intimidation. Yeah. And what we say to ourselves in our mind is they're better than me. They're smarter than me. They're further along than me. They make more money than me. And the list mm -hmm. goes on. Yeah. And I imagine that what these quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, intimidating people have developed is exactly what you're talking about here. Yeah. And so the perception to the audience is 
they're smarter than they are, uh, more successful than make more money. Mm -hmm. Um, this is, I'm so fascinated by this conversation. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Well, it is a fun, it's a fun area to work. I I think that, um, you know, whenever people are improving their self-confidence, a lot of that, what you just talked about goes away Mm. because you can walk into a room and if you're confident, then you don't really care how you, not that you don't care, but you're not assessing, am I on par with other people? You're accepting at base value that you have nothing to prove and that you have something to offer. Mm. You have something to offer versus a lot of times people are walking into rooms wondering what I can get. Yes. And that all that that's it's a psychological shift that happens when you feel true when you are empowered, all of that, all of the inner dialogue shifts. Yeah. It changes, it's it's hey, I'm here, I have something to offer. Who needs it? Mm-hmm. And that's a very different energy than walking into a room saying, Okay, I measure up. Why am I here? What do I need? And how quickly can, can I can I get out? Yeah. Yeah. Which is more common the dialogue. Yep. So everybody go work on your inner confidence and your outer poise. Yes. Three minutes a day. There's so many opportunities to do that. Thank you so much, Kimberly. This is such an incredible conversation. I wish I could keep talking to you about it. If you would tell us exactly who you work with, who's a really great fit for you and how Mm -hmm. can people discover more about you and your team and how they might be able to work with you? Yes. Awesome. So we work with companies large and small, and we work in a couple of different ways. Um, the best way to, to kind of see our programs and, and find out if our offerings are a match is to visit our website, which is I, the letter I, accelerate, E-X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E dot com. And right on there, you can look at our programs and see what we have to offer. We have some online learning offerings. We have some in-person learning offerings. And, and really, what we're, we are working with leaders of, again, large and small organizations. Oftentimes, we're working with small practices where we are you know, up-leveling leaders so that they can have a more profitable life for themselves and, and really you know, a more positive impact in every environment that they're in. Awesome. Thanks for being with us today and sharing your uh, incredible knowledge and experience with us. Well, thank you so much. It was fun and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.